What is up, guys? This is Andre. We are back with a new episode of Real Talk University. Today, we invite Adam Weitzman onto the show for an interview. Uh, Adam has never done a podcast, so this was his first time doing an interview like this. So we're really excited to dig deeper and find out more about his career and some of the events that went on and what led to his success and what, you know, the failures he encountered along the way and how he bounced back. Uh, so we learned a lot through this episode. Uh, we had a great time sitting in with Adam. Uh, we were really grateful, you know, for the opportunity to sit down with him. He, uh, he made time for us. He invited us to his offices at Upstate Shredding LLC in Owego. Uh, amazing place. We just had a great time interviewing him. Uh, I'll let Christian talk on this as well. Yeah, for sure. We definitely appreciate him giving us our time for about a half hour yesterday. Um, it was really great talking to him. He was completely honest and transparent with us. He was a really great mind to interview. Uh, just talking to someone as successful as him was really eye-opening and definitely one of my favorite interviews thus far. So we're really excited to share this with you guys. So we're going to get into this, but before we get into it, if you enjoy our podcast, if you listen to our podcast, uh, please, if you haven't yet, leave a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. This helps us more than you know. Uh, and also, if you haven't yet, check out our new website at realtalkuni.com. Link is in the show notes. Uh, and sign up for our newsletter so you don't miss any new episodes or the new merch that will be dropping in 2019. So let's get into this episode. For our listeners that aren't familiar with you, could you just like give us a brief background about yourself? Uh, my name is Adam Weitzman. Um, I'm from born and raised in Owego, New York, which is pretty close to university. Um, I run a scrap metal recycling business on the East Coast. Um, I am married and I have three daughters, uh, two twin girls and uh, a nine-year-old daughter. Awesome. So we contacted you about an interview and why did you want to agree to that? Like, What do you feel like you could offer to our podcast today? Well, I've never done a podcast before, and I really don't do any interviews, really. So um, you guys are, like, nice when you guys uh, sent me a message. So, you know, I want to – I remember when I was your guys' age, so it would have meant a lot to me if somebody did it for me. So that's why I do it for you, but I'm not a social person, and I don't really like to do interviews at all. But I thought if I could help you guys uh, and, you know, help your listeners, then I thought it would be worthwhile. Yeah, we really appreciate, uh, you know, giving us your time here, Adam, and, show, or, you know, telling your story to the audience we have. So, uh, we, you know, we did some research on you, just went through kind of your story. So, your original passion was in the arts. So, kind of, how did you go through the decision to come back here and take over your dad's business? Um, well, as a, a fine arts major um, growing up, my interest was always uh, fine arts. So, I don't really have a business background. Um, so I was in New York City, had an art gallery. Um, my father had a small business here in uh, Owego, New York, which wasn't at this location. Um, and then my sister, uh, my little sister passed away of cancer. Uh, and my dad got pretty depressed, you know, over that. So he had asked me to come back and help him over a summertime. So uh, the gallery in the city was like a cool gallery. Um but it really wasn't it, – it basically broke even. It made me uh, – you know, made enough money that I could, like, have a little s small studio apartment and, like, I know, a fifth floor walk up in Manhattan and stuff like that. But um, but that's what I wanted to do because I really didn't care about money back then. It was just, as you know, in Soho in the West Village and I was hanging out. And uh, I really liked it. But, you know, they he asked me to come home 
and I really had no idea. I never grew up in this business here. Um, like I never worked here as a, as a kid. So um, when I came, then he uh, he left the business, and then um, I ended up uh, taking over the business at that time, which excuse me was a small location uh, about five miles from here. It's a great story. Um, and then we're sitting here in the offices now. Uh, obviously, you've done a great job to grow and scale that business. So kind of you want to take us through the process you took, uh, some maybe of the important milestones that, you know, allowed you to grow and scale this business to what it is today? I mean, it wasn't that easy road that, you know, people think. I mean, I don't really talk about it much, but when I first started, I really didn't know what I was doing. And I, I you know, I didn't really have a lot of uh, training in this business. So I figured out a way to borrow a lot of money because back then the small independent guy was getting run out by bigger companies. So it's either basically grow or die. And I didn't really want to grow, but it was uh, something that I had to because we were sort of getting our little company was getting pushed around by bigger companies. So I figured out a way to borrow a lot of money. Uh, fell on hard times uh, with it. Didn't know what I was doing. Got arrested by the FBI. Went to prison for a year. Um, uh, for bank fraud. Um, it's called check hiding. Uh, what it is, I illegally transferred uh, funds back and forth to my accounts to give the illusion that I had money to uh, keep this thing afloat. Um, I, had, I had purchased this shredder and then in the halfway uh, in the middle of building it, um, the company that I bought it from went bankrupt and took all my money. So I basically started small and devised this uh, 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 I figured out a, a loophole in the banking regulations, uh, the banking system, um, and I exploited that for a little while. And then I stopped doing it. Then I got the plant to run, and I stopped doing it. But then a couple years later, they found suspicious activity going back. So, like, the the, the crime was over. I thought I got away with it as young as in my 20s. And then uh, the FBI came knocking, and, uh, <laughs> you know, then – uh, they took everything except this company was in such bad shape that they didn't even want it. So they just said, you, we're going to take everything else, but you can keep your shitty company, <laughs> you know. And then um, I went to prison for I went to prison for just about a year and uh, they seized the uh, feds, uh, seized everything. So that was, uh, that was in 19, I think like 1997. So we're about 20, it's about 20 years ago. So that was the hard part. <laughs> yeah, but the good part about being in prison is I had a lot of time to think, you know, because to stay out of trouble, I just sort of stayed by myself. You know, I didn't really talk to many people there. So I would just sit and try to uh, figure out, like, what I did wrong in life and, like, decisions I made that got me in that situation. And, you know, I was, I was like, you know, you only get one chance to come back. And um, I had already beat up my reputation pretty bad because it was all over the newspapers and stuff. So on top of the business sucking out at that time, you know, is also on top of that. My reputation was bad. And since I committed bank fraud, it was hard to get a loans. And uh, so, you know, I pretty much just destroyed a lot. And um, I just worked, you know, the next 20 years, I've worked really hard to try to build things back. Yeah, for sure. So you just talked about a failure in your life. But is there any other failures that you think you've encountered along the way as you've tried to grow your business? Yeah, I think, you know, when I was younger, like, you know, I had a really huge ego and I think a lot of my decisions were based off of ego and not really off of smart decision making. So after I got in trouble, you know, that sort of strips away your ego and then um, it grounds you. And after that, you know, um, 
you know, I, I just sort of made, you know, I just, I, I thought about things, didn't do things so much off the cuff and became very organized and very methodical and very systematic. Like I went from being a train wreck unorganized to I'm probably the most organized person on the planet, you know, and, uh, and I think that's really, that's really helped you know, grow the business. And I realized that, you know, it takes an hour to ruin your reputation and it takes 20 years to gain it back. So every move I make now is about making sure that it's a positive thing for other people to see and that I want to be a good role model to, you know, I want to be a good role model to my kids and, uh, and to other people out there that are looking at me to seeing what I'm doing. Yeah, for sure. So going back to your ego back in the day, how would you think that your outlook on your business has changed from where you started to where you are now today? I mean, I'm conservative. Conservative uh, is a pretty big company now, um, but I still try to run it as a small company, but I just try to surround myself with really smart people. You know, I just started going back to college. I'm the oldest person uh, in my class, so it's pretty embarrassing, <laughs> but uh, I brought like a notepad and paper that I realized that nobody else had a notepad and paper. Everybody else had, you know, my Macs and stuff like that. So, um, so I fly once a week to go to school. I, I had applied and then I just got in. So I've uh, uh, taken a class, one class uh, a week. And uh, that's been it's been tough because, you know, I got to fly, go to class, fly back. Um, but I think that's, uh, you know, I think um, just just by being just by being very aware of the surroundings and, and looking at I sort of run things as a rainy day scenario instead of the best case scenario. So I really figure out what could go wrong instead of just listing all the things that could go right. Definitely. That's a great way to run a business. And you kind of mentioned like having a mentor plays into, you know, it really helps, especially after so many failures, just having someone there that's gone through the same things. So just recognizing through social media, you're good friends with Jim Beheim. So how has he become a mentor for you and how has he been able to elevate your lifestyle? I mean, he's one of my best friends and, uh, you know, we hang out once a week. And uh, I don't know anything about basketball, so that's probably why we get along so well, because I, I don't really talk basketball. Anything I've learned, I've probably learned from him. And, uh, you know, being uh, five foot seven and Jewish is probably my career. I know it's not going to be in basketball, but um, he's just very uh, – he's very organized. He's very passionate. Um, he's very determined. Um, and, he, you know, he, he it's very inspiring. He's great work ethic. And – you know, we talk to each other, you know, and I, and I think I push him in other ways, too. I've tried to push him to have a little softer side and um, to, to help, you know, to have a little maybe better public persona. And uh, so we, we try to push each other. He's a really kind man, does a lot for, you know, others and charity and things like that. So um, it, it's been it's been a really good friendship. And, uh, um, you know, and as, as, as friendship goes on, it grows. And uh, he's been a very important person in, in my life. That's awesome. So uh, obviously you're in the restaurant business. Uh, I personally have been to the Krebs. It's an incredible place. So we just want to know how you got started in the restaurant business and if you have any plans to expand or anything like that. Yeah, I, I mean, I really like uh, the food and entertainment business a lot. I think it's a, uh, you know, it's, it's it's totally different than the core business, but I, I, I like the hospitality business a lot. You know, the Krebs is a nonprofit uh, restaurant that all the money goes to uh local women and children's charities so uh, it's, it's also for a good cause but my wife uh, runs that restaurant it's her baby and uh she's really um she really tries to raise the bar you know it's one of the higher rated restaurants in new york now and she's um she's doing it for all the right reasons you know she, she's really a hard worker you know my wife really helped uh 
was so much about like saving my company, you know, cause I committed my crime before I met her. And then, uh, but before I went to prison, I met her. So it was hard on our first date that I had to tell her, you know, that I was going to jail. <laughs> you know? So that's probably not the best uh, conversation first date, but I wanted to be, you know, pretty transparent cause she, of course you're going to find out somehow. I mean, the internet wasn't as prevalent back then, but you could still search and, and find things. So, you know, she, uh, you know, she stayed the course and she's really, you know, I met her when she was 19 and um, she was working in the city. She left her career to help me run the business while I was in, in away in prison. And um, so the restaurant was something that was just a fluke uh, that we were walking down the street and um, the owner of the restaurant had, it's been in the business, that restaurant's been around for over a hundred years. So the owner had passed away, a real estate broker. So I was walking on the street saying, you guys should save this landmark. You know, it's important for the community. And I don't know what we were thinking. <laughs> we just ended up, uh, doing it. We want to do the charity aspect of it. So, um, it started and then we have another restaurant opening up in February in Skinny Atlas. Um, and then one in downtown Syracuse in, uh, March and then in the fall there'll be one here in Owego. Yeah, that's fantastic. We'll definitely have to go check out that when it opens. But going back to the business side, I'm looking around and I see TVs pretty much everywhere. So, how has technology really impacted your business and how it's grown over the course of the years as technology has evolved? Well, it's helped out a lot because you know I'm only one person and you know we have 17 locations and it's impossible for me to get to all the locations. So. By use of cameras, you know, conference calls, uh, you know, uh, cell phones, you know, there's so many things that in the olden days I'd have access to, and it really helps with the communication with the staff. I can see what's going on live. You know, I can go back and check cameras to see what happened during the day if I couldn't see it live. And uh, it's, I mean, it's so much of the future because this, this was a very antiquated type of industry, the scrap recycling industry. And my thing was I really wanted to take it to the, the next level. And I think that's hopefully one of the reasons why we've been successful is we try to get a, we try to break out of the comfort zone of scrap and uh, to turn it into a more uh, a commodity-based business. But, you know, in this century, you know, in this decade, a little more uh, – high-tech and, uh, and better run. Yeah, for sure. And I noticed that while I was researching you, you like to talk about um, the environmental like safety aspect of it all. So why is that so important? Do you keep making sure that everything you do is up to par environmentally? I mean, we're all drinking this water. You know, you guys are coming out, we give you water. It's, you know, it's like you want to make sure it's uh, safe water. And, you know, it's uh, it's really an obligation to the community to to make sure that we're protecting the environment. I mean, scrap, uh, our industry gets kind of a bad rap, but because we're doing a lot for the environment, we're taking something that normally would be dumped off in the woods and things like that. It's just, it has an economic value to it. People, you know, take it out and bring it in so there's not junk all over the countrysides anymore. But we have to we have to do. But during in the processing part of scrap, there is possibilities that you can contaminate the environment. So you have to put in safety and protocol measures that nothing can affect you know the uh, the environment that we live in. That's like really important to me. I mean, back in the day, like I only thought about money and financial stuff. And today, it's more about employee safety. It's about environment. And then if you do a good job, you know, I think the financial aspect usually will come will come hand in hand with it. Definitely. I agree there. Um, and, you know, one of the major themes of our podcast is finding your passion. So obviously a lot of our listeners are in their early age that are just trying to find their passion. So one, are you still interested in arts? Uh, and if not, and even if you are, how have you discovered other passions as well? Um, 
it, it's tough because you know the, the the company the size it's grown it becomes all it comes very encompassing so there's not a lot of time i mean i still like looking at our i i don't i don't really collect our as much anymore because i just don't have the time and plus you know i lived in soho so you know it was the art was around me everywhere you walked it was there i got to meet the artists like in person you know so definitely being in an industrial business being married with kids being on the outside it sort of doesn't lend its hand so much about like you know researching art and things like that but i still i still love art um but this is uh, you know do I, am I, is this my passion, this scrap business? I, I don't think so. I mean, this is, I, I, I love doing it because I love hiring people and giving people jobs and work, but I mean, does the scrap business give me a warm, fuzzy feeling? Not at all, but I want to do the best in it. So whatever I do, I want to raise the bar. Our company got, you know, we've been awarded the best scrap company in the world, the best scrap company in the United States a couple of years in a row. I'm so I was really proud of that, but I'm not going to lie here and, and bullshit and say, oh, I just love my job because this is a fucking brutal job. And uh, I sleep three hours a night, you know, so it's <laughs> but I have, you know, 600 families to make sure I look out for here. So I got to be on my A game here. So do I miss the city sometimes? I have an art gallery and it was pretty, pretty, <laughs> it wasn't very stressful. You know, it's like hanging some paintings and having a party, getting people in there. I mean, that was, that's a good time, you know, but this is reality. And since it's my reality, I can do the best I can. So I don't think you have to always be so passionate in your career. You just want to really raise the bar and, and whatever you do, do the best you can. That's great advice. Yeah, definitely two totally different industries. So that's great. So um, with all your recent success and accolades, what motivates you to keep trying to, you know, grow the business and getting better and better and better? I mean, again, it used to be financial, and it's not so much. That's not the driving force so much anymore. I just, I just want to do the best I can, and um, you know, it's just like, just like anything. You just, you just want to raise the bar in your personal performance, and um, I mean, I got to be here anyway, so I might as well do the best I can, you know. And so each day I try to raise the bar, and I try to. My, you know, I even though I own the company and you know, I don't have any partners here, I still view myself as an employee of the company. So I have to, I have to pay my way to, you know, the company takes good care of me financially, but I have to show value for myself. Yeah, for sure. So we, like we discussed before, you have a big drive to give back to your community. Um, do you have any future plans or things in the future that you're going to look to do to give back to either where you live or the company or whatever? Well, I don't believe in hoarding. You know, I'm not a hoarder, so, you know, yeah, when I die, you know, I definitely want the kids to be taken care of and my wife to be taken care of, but, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna give all this shit away, so there's there's not going to be anything for, uh, you know, there's so many people that need it more than I do, you know, we, I, I've been blessed with a lot of stuff, but I don't need five cars, I don't need ten houses, I don't need two yachts, I don't need, you know, multiple jets. I got enough stuff and there's other people that don't have any food and they don't have any shelter. So those are the people I'm going to worry about now more than myself. Kind of branching off on that. Could you just tell us a little bit about your uh, campaign for tackling ALS and how it's um, connected to your town of skinny Atlas and then also how our viewers could find a way to contribute to this. Yeah. Well, one of my closest friends, uh, his name is Tim Green. Uh, Tim was uh, a really amazing guy. He's uh was all pro for the Atlanta Falcons. Um, he was, uh, you know, uh, bro, he's a road scholar. 
He's a New York Times children's best-selling author. He's a lawyer. You know, he's just one of these guys that if really has a, you know, he's a big, you know, what is it, CBS commentator for sports. Really amazing guy. I've been friends with him a long time. You know, like really handsome, like guy and like you know when we go to vegas me and my guy friends like when he tim gets in the pool we all like duck our heads under because we're all like fat and bloated and shit and uh and then all of a sudden this you know i you know we've been friends like so long and here's this guy that you know looks like a million bucks and all of a sudden you know we shook his hand one day and i felt something wrong with his hand you know and he thought it was arthritis you know because of football you know you know, he's like, was all in, you know, big career, big NFL career and stuff like that. So you're thinking, oh, he just got beat up from football. And then he had uh, come to me and he had, you know, because we're really close and he had told me, but he swore me to secrecy. So I've known for a while before the general public knew. And um, so he came up uh, with this idea. He wanted to try to raise money for a cure. And, um, you know, I told him, of course, I'll, I'll jump on the bandwagon. And I think so far we've raised uh, about 1.7, 1.8 million, uh, you know, in a couple weeks, which is pretty good. Um, my friends have donated like about, I think just under 90,000. Um, and I think, uh, you know, and we're, it's not just a, it's not just a, you know, find a cure for Tim. It's to find a cure for this, you know, horrible disease that's basically underfunded compared to other diseases. And, um, it's a rough disease. It's, it doesn't really affect your mind. It affects your body. So your mind is tight, but it's, it's totally a, uh, uh, you know, a horrible disease, and um, he's in a lot of pain. But I give the guy credit. He's like, you know, he's a tough guy to begin with, you know, from his career. But uh, the guy never complains, never says poor me, never bitches about it. He's just a really strong guy, and, and I want to have that kind of strength. You know, that's that's true strength. You know, and uh, so I've learned a good lesson from all this. So I, I really am into the ALS uh, thing to help out, and um, I have a decent social media. You know, following, so I try to use that to get show awareness and stuff like that. So um, I just really got involved in social media a couple of years ago. So, but it's a good way to you know to network out to people. Definitely, thank you for sharing the background on that. Um, so going into 2019, kind of you know changing your mindset on business. How has self reflection been able to help you going forward? And you want to take us through some of your processes for that? I mean, self reflection is just really a, just a checks and balances on yourself. You know, you got to really you know, being a, I'm not really the social boss here. And the, the problem is at this company and at a lot of companies. So when you're the boss, I think sometimes, you know, people will just say yes to whatever you say. You know, I could say, oh, it's, it's beautiful, sunny out in the set, you know, and because I'm sort of, that's, uh, because I'm not so social here, I think people sometimes are intimidated a little and they'll just go along with it. So you really have to, one, not surround yourself with yes people. Or sometimes when you get a little money, you surround yourself with an entourage. And uh, I try really hard not to let that happen. And, you know, and but also I have to, you know, check and balance myself. So before I post anything, I read it twice. Before I do anything, I think about it twice. So, you know, your ego gets a little big when you get a little success. And I just try to make sure that I, I, I'm very self-aware of every move that I make at all times. But I'm pretty excited about 2019. I think 2018 was probably the best year of my life you know, happiness wise. And that's how I gauge everything is by like happiness. And, um, I, I'm pretty hyped up about it. And I'm a pretty pessimistic guy, but I think 2019 should be decent too. Awesome. Yeah. We're looking forward to, you know, following along with your journey. So, um, if you could sit across from your 18 year old self, what advice would you give to him? I was an idiot at 18. I don't know really what I would say, but I would tell myself to look in the mirror because it wasn't that, you know, I was never into drugs or, you know, I don't drink. So that was never my thing. It's just, just my ego back then was just 
all I cared about was myself. I didn't really give a fuck about anybody else but myself. So every move I made when I was younger was definitely selfish. And, you know, um, it was like, it was funny this morning. Um, I got a call from one of my competitors, uh, or I got a call from one of my managers um, that my biggest competitor in Rochester uh, burnt to the ground last night. And in the old days, I would have jumped all over that and fucking went up there and taken all their business and run them out because they're, they burnt to the ground, you know? And, uh, and then I was thinking to myself, like, is that really the, is that really what I want to show my daughters? Like I am like, you know, these guys are, even though it's my competitor and they've, you know, fought back against me and I fought them and I'm like, I finally got them, you know? And then I'm like, do I really want to like do that now? It's the holidays. So I called the owner of the company there and I said, listen, I go, I'm not going to go after you when you're down. So I invited them to move into my facility you know, so they're going to operate in my facility. I guess put up my facility. I'm not going to charge them, and I'm, you know, basically I'm going to give uh, wave the white flag and 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 do Pete until they can. You know, I told them. I said, you know, I I, I don't want to like try to go after you when you're down. I mean, it's an opportunity of a lifetime for my company, but that's not the kind of business guy. When I was younger, that's the kind of business guy I would have been, and I would have been vengeful and done anything. So on this one, I just decided to try to do the right thing. And um, so I think they're going to move all their stuff. My arch enemy is going to be in my same location. And I have an office in Rochester, a personal office like this that I don't use. So my they're going to take over my, even my office. So, it's, it's you know, I just sort of want my, my daughters to see that. The two of them are the twins. are too young to know. But I want that to be the legacy that I live. I don't want to be – I don't want to rule by, you know, intimidation and, you know, and have people fear me. I want people to respect me. And so I think that's – like today was a good thing. I think that's the difference of me today and and me and, and me back and me back then. And I, and I did tell the guy, I go, don't don't mistake my kindness for weakness. You know, when when they get back on track and they get back, it's it's you know the, the battle's still on. But but I don't want to you know I want to fight somebody when they're at their best because that's what makes you stronger. Fighting someone when they're you know handicapped or weak, it's, that doesn't do anything other than uh, feed your own ego. For sure. I think that's extremely courageous, and I think that a lot of people out there can really learn from what you just shared with us. But just to wrap up here, how could our followers uh, reach you on social media, such as Facebook or Instagram? Yeah, it's just under on Instagram, uh, it's just Adam Weitzman. And then on Facebook, it's just Adam Weitzman. So, you know, people can follow. And, you know, I respond to everybody. So, you know, I I get a lot of messages and people ask advice and stuff like that. But I personally respond to every single one. So, you know, each day I probably get 100, 150 messages, you know, on social media. So, but I get back to, that's why I don't sleep too much is because I, I really believe that everyone deserves a response. And there's some crazy stuff people ask and stuff like that, but it's all part of, you know, social media because it's, it's, you know, I believe in free speech. So I get a lot of questions. I get a lot of questions from younger people. And uh, I just believe that, you know, out of respect for everyone, everybody deserves to be heard, you know, and, and but everybody also deserves to get a response. So people want to reach out, ask questions. Uh, they can always reach out just under you know, Adam and this W-E-I-T-S-M-A-N on, you know, uh, I'm just on, uh, I'm not on, I don't do Snapchat, but I'm just on uh, Instagram and I'm on, uh, but Facebook is the, I know you young guys don't use Facebook anymore, but, <laughs> but I still, I still, I'm on Facebook a lot and Instagram. Yeah, for sure, guys. His Instagram content is very, very entertaining. I really recommend you go check him out. But that's all for today. Thank you so much for being on, and we hope to keep in contact in the future. Mm-hmm.